0: Hey guys, I'm Shaylee. And this is Taylor.
1: And you're listening to Fallacious and Factual, a podcast where we dive deep into movies and TV shows and tell you how they got the story all wrong. And we've got Taylor back with us another week.
0: I am. I'm back in the house.
1: But, I mean, you're always in the house.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in, in, the, in the recording room.
1: <laughs> in the podcast lab.
0: I'm in the podcast lab.
1: It's not quite a lab yet, but.
0: We can call it a lab. It's my lab. It's your lab. It's yeah. your space.
1: It, it, it is my space. You are right. I decided to bring Taylor on to this episode because we are talking about a war movie.
0: And I love war movies.
1: And he's in the military, so.
0: And I'm in the military, so that might help with a little bit.
1: And this movie was based in Afghanistan, and Taylor was in Afghanistan. I was. You Not were. for
0: a very long time, but it I. It felt like a very long time. <laughs> Only for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We are talking about the movie 12 Strong today.
0: Oh, I love 12 Strong. It was such a good movie. It
1: is actually a really good movie. The first time I watched it, it was really hard for me to watch.
0: Oh, I wonder why. Was it the first uh, scenes?
1: Maybe. The part Maybe. where like they're leaving their families? Yeah. Yeah, I a little bit. I
0: don't know if that uh, has anything to do with you and how you had to deal with it.
1: Yeah. I tried watching it at the gym while I was on the uh, treadmill, and I had to stop because... I had tears.
0: Because <laughs> you were because you were doing the cries.
1: I was doing the cries. So I had to watch it at home. But then I watched it like four times. I mean, part of it was because I was researching it. But I did watch it like four times.
0: Are you immune now? Does it not make you feel sad?
1: Um, there's still a couple parts that make me feel sad. But for the most part, I'm pretty immune to it now. Oh, that's good. Because I know what's coming. So this movie, going to 12 Strong, it starts with showing real clips from different days. So it starts with the 1st of February, 1993, and there were bombs that went off in the basement of the World Trade Center. That happened. Then it says in August of 1998, the U.S. East African Embassy in Nairobi was bombed. That also happened. Then we have the October 12th, 2000 bombing of a U.S. naval vessel called
2: And
0: uh, I think I remember hearing about that one, because some the, the, the bombing itself was... This, these, uh, the terrorists ran, um, like a little dinghy boat up to the side of the boat and, like, were pretending to have something for the boat and then just blew a whole huge hole into the side of it.
1: Oh, dang. I didn't look much into that other than the fact that it was true.
0: Yeah. Definitely a real story.
1: Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Then on September 9th, 2001, the leader of the Northern Alliance was assassinated. His
0: assassination stories kind of interesting
1: it was do you want to share that
0: well he um so he was the leader of the northern Alliance, which was a super important group that was constantly dealing and fighting with the Taliban. of mm-hmm. taliban and um he was actually assassinated because they were trying to come do a uh an interview or a report with him mm-hmm. and yeah, it was a news report yeah it was a news report and the terrorists or the assassins actually dressed up as the cameraman and the uh, interviewer, yeah. got him into his office, sat him down, and we're like, "All right, let's begin the interview." Turned on the camera, and the camera was a bomb.
1: Yeah, we learned that from listening to the book. Yeah, and
0: he he actually he, did he almost survive, but it just he did.
1: He's he survived the bomb, but then died on his way to the hospital.
0: Yeah, so. Um, Which is amazing. Like, he Mm -hmm. just barely, like, the bomb barely didn't work.
1: Yeah, almost, yeah, it almost didn't work, but it did. Sadly, he was assassinated. So, like I said, all of these really did happen. And like the movie says, they were all orchestrated and carried out by the Taliban and Osama bin Laden.
0: Which, it was interesting to learn from uh, a little bit of this, that uh, Osama bin Laden was actually like born really, really wealthy.
1: He was, yeah.
0: I didn't, uh, I guess as a child, I didn't really fully understand that. That Osama bin Laden, as well as being the terrorist, which
1: was easy for my yeah. like
0: my, my head went to wrap around. Yeah, I didn't realize that he was wealthy. Like I, I The reason either. why they were so successful is because he was feeding so much money. Because he it.
1: had money, yeah. I did learn that the leader of the Taliban, so not Osama bin Laden, but the actual leader of the Taliban... Omar Musad, something like that. It comes up in a bit. Um, He did not like Osama bin Laden.
0: Well, yeah, he probably thought he was a rich, privileged kid.
1: No, he wanted him exiled.
0: Oh, interesting. Why yeah. did he want him
1: exiled? Because he was afraid that he wasn't going to be able to follow orders correctly. So he was like, meh, I don't like him, exile him.
0: Oh, yeah, well, um, so this is the same bad guy in 12 Strong?
1: Yeah, he, his name is different, and he dies differently, but... The same guy that they're fighting in. Oh, I see.
0: Well, he was an extremist. He was, yeah. Very religious extremist.
1: Yeah. But yeah, that comes up in a little bit. So we'll talk about that in a second. So then in the movie, it switches to Captain Mitch Nelson, whose real name is actually Mark Nooch. Nooch. I had to write the how to say it because it's N-U-T-S-C-H, and I want to say (laughs) nutched, but that's not what it is. It's Nooch. Mark Nooch. Most of the names of this movie were changed when this movie was created because the names in the book that it's based on were also changed for like safety of the soldiers and stuff.
0: Yeah, and um, that's very, very normal. You don't want to disclose soldiers' names.
1: Especially while they're active. So Mark and Bob are the two main characters in the movie, and they're both retired at this point. So that's why their names, like we know their names. And none of the other ones, I don't know their actual names.
0: And we don't want to, because if they are still active or if they have any part of the government, then we want to make sure that they're staying safe.
1: Exactly. So Chris Hemsworth plays Mitch or Mark. I will interchange them just depending on if I'm naming the guy in the movie or the guy in in reality. So just so you know, it's going to be Mitch and Mark. But Chris Hemsworth plays him. And in the movie, his wife in the movie is actually Chris Hemsworth's wife in real life.
0: Oh, some tenderness.
1: Another random fact about this part is Mitch's daughter is watching TV before like the World Trade Center news comes up. She's watching Alvin and the Chipmunks. It's actually called the Chipmunks Adventure. And it took me to the third time watching this movie because it started playing the song. And I was like, I know this movie. Did you recognize
0: it? No, of course I didn't.
1: I I did. the the song goes the sun goes down i'm just getting up i know the whole song and they were playing it and i was like wait a second so i had to like rewind and look at the tv again sure enough they were running up the little thing (laughs) (laughs) i had to add that because i was like i i know this one where they get in the the hot air balloons and travel around the world it's probably the best album of the chipmunks anyway So in the movie, Mitch is home with his wife and his daughter. Like I just said, she's watching TV. And the TV switches to the news reports of the planes hitting the towers. In reality, this is mostly correct. There are some conflicting things written about this, about where Mark was at this time. One place I read that he was at home, but with his wife and his two sons. He did not have a daughter. She was actually six months pregnant with their daughter. Oh, okay. When this happened. But in the Sword of Lightning... So it's a book written by Mark and Bob. It's called Sword of Lightning. Um, he was just finished at the OB/GYN with the ba- with uh his wife checking on the baby, because she had, like I said, she was six months pregnant and it was a high risk pregnant pregnancy as well. Oh, okay. So she had to go into the doctors a lot just to like check on the baby, check on her, and they had just finished and we're heading to baby's RS, which isn't a thing anymore. Oh, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Sign of the times. But uh, they went to pick out some things that they needed for the baby when he received a phone call asking where he was and told him to get to the base. But anyway, in the movie, the news reports do look like the actual video footage. And I looked for a long time to try to find the actual video footage and could not find it anywhere.
0: Really? Yeah. You can't find footage from like the actual 9-11 thing?
1: No. And I was reading an article saying that because like Adobe upgraded or something, all of that footage has been lost.
0: I don't believe that they're totally lost but it's weird that they it's not they, that it's not on YouTube very, or anything. very easy to find
1: yeah I searched for a while and could not find it anywhere hmm so but it looks like from my my memory from fourth grade watching this it looks like it's the same video hmm. so then it switches to a bunch of military guys wading through a river these guys really had been doing an overnight training when the towers were hit in the movie, they hear the news from a fellow soldier who comes to pick them up. He's like, didn't you guys hear? Towers were hit. When in reality, they heard it over the truck radio when they took turned the truck on. So they came out of the uh, river, yeah. went over so, to their truck, turned it on.
0: Gotcha. So they the started getting like, the FMAM updates of it.
1: Yeah. What's the FMAM? Oh, my gosh, babe.
0: The <laughs> FM radio and the AM oh, radio. Oh, yes.
1: I've never heard it just called the FMAM. I've just heard it called radio. Uh,
0: they got that the might radio. Be a little, that might be a little sign of how long it's been since uh, Shaylee has actually used the radio. I listen
1: to the radio. I just never call it FMAM. I just call it the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was like some little like military like lingo into the FMAO. The the. the Federal, military, <laughs> artillery. Messages. M- messages. Exactly. Yeah. See, it could be that. <laughs> anyway, the FMAM. So they really were somewhere along the Cumberland River when this all happened. So then the movie jumps to the military base and everyone's going nuts trying to figure out what's going on. And in reality, when the soldiers who were on the training that I just mentioned, when they got to the base, there was a huge traffic jam because everybody was trying to get into the base because there was housing on the base and everything.
0: Right. There was, well, everybody was very concerned. Like, yeah, we're going like we're under attack. So we need to like get ready. Yeah. And that's what the whole purpose of active, like active duty is there to be the first people like, to get out there and get things done.
1: Exactly. And it wasn't just the military members trying to get on base. It was like the wives who had gone grocery shopping that morning. Also trying to get back home. Yeah. Uh, Bob. Was Bob? I think it was Bob. Bob's wife had actually gone to the store and this all happened. And so when he was back in service, he called her because he was the one of the ones on the training. So he called her and he's like, you need to get back home. So then she was st- stuck in that traffic jam, trying to get back onto the base. Mm. So since there was a huge traffic jam, they decided to take their vehicles to the opposite lane of traffic and move the barricade so that they could get through
2: oh
0: i bet that made some uh active duty guards very nervous
1: it's so funny reading how like bob's like reaction to this because he's like we're removing the barricades this mp comes over and he's like what are you guys doing you can't do that waving their gun and he's like he's like i a green beret and we need to get in there and figure out what's going on and just started arguing with him and yelling at him as everybody else is still moving the barricades didn't even listen to him and the MP just like throws his hands in the air and goes back to the front of the line (laughs) let him go in (laughs) yeah let him go in
0: that poor MP like just trying to do his job yeah active duty guys they they have to live by the very very strict rules because Mm -hmm. they come up with all sorts of like I don't know busy work for those guys yeah and they, so when they do do anything slightly wrong, they get in so much trouble.
1: Yeah. So.
0: So when somebody causes a problem for them, they're just like, <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at this. This is great. Throws his hands up and he's just like, I'm. He's Fsharp. like, fine. This is great. Fine. Whatever. I'm just going to go. It. I'm just going to go get ready to get my chewed." that I let yeah. 18,000 people come through <laughs> that I caused a traffic jam. And eventually some major is going to come over to me and be like, what the hell is going on around here?
1: <laughs> Don't you know how to do your job? Yep. Yeah. So You they, know,
0: you know he just got his life was just miserable for the rest of that day.
1: I don't know because everybody was so focused on this 911 uh, stuff, like the towers getting hit. They probably didn't even like think think twice of no, this probably, poor trust little me, MP. Babe, they punished him. Sure. Trust me babe they punished him. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> he did push-ups for sure.
1: For for show. Sure.
0: For show. Sure.
1: For show. Sure. Anyway, so then in the movie Mitch walks in. And Rob Riggle, whose real name is Colonel Max Bowers, he's one that we do know, he's asking him, like, why he's there and why he's got fuzz on his face. In the movie, he's still on leave because his group had just got back from a training in Kuwait. They, this is almost true. His group did just get back from a training, but it was from a training in Uzbekistan where mm-hmm. they actually end up going back to. That same base that they fly into first when they go into Afghanistan oh, right, is the right, right. same base that they were training on just a few weeks earlier but after the training Mark was assigned to the operations and training shop basically a desk job those words meant nothing to me operations and training shop but I know it's a desk job <laughs> so <laughs>
0: he was he became uh, an officer that pushes papers instead of an officer that get that like does field work
1: exactly and it was for his career so that he could like further himself in his career.
0: Yeah, because uh, the desk, the guys that work at the desk have a better chance of moving up in their positions Yes, than the people that are out doing the hard, that are in the field. Because as much as other people don't feel like this is true, there's a lot of, like, please, like uh, building relationships that are important.
1: Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so he had just gotten this new job. And he was supposed to start that job on September 10th. So the day before this all went down. So he wasn't on leave like it says in the movie, but he was switching jobs like it says in the movie. Okay. But he really did. So when he came into the base, he really did ask Colonel Bowers for his team back. He's like, I want to be out there. I want to be on the ground. I don't want to be sitting behind a desk. And Colonel Bowers said no at first, just like he does in the movie. And then it was in the movie, it's Hal Spencer. It was Bob Pennington that went in and was like, I want my team and I want my captain back. So. Uh,
0: it's funny that he, um, that he brings up like, oh, he'll listen to me. So he's a chief warrant. Yeah. And uh, basically the the kind of the funny rule is warrants are just like these unknown creatures of the army that everybody just you don't piss them off you don't make them angry really when they when they speak you listen because they're they're people that know their job so well and they're that good at it that you don't um that whenever you question them like they're gonna they're gonna burn you yeah so you kind of like when they say jump you're like okay where am I going (laughs) yeah
1: so he really did just like they did in the movie he really did go and And he told Bowers, he he said, I want my team and I want my captain. And at first, Bowers was like, well, I can assign a captain to you. And he was like, no, I want my captain. Because, I mean, he liked working with Mark anyway. But Mark had worked on that team, the ODA 595, for two years at that point, leading them.
0: Which, that doesn't seem like a long time to build trust in, in the Army. But it is an extremely long time. Yeah, Um, well, and just to understand operationals too. Yeah, and when you're in the field, it does not take long for those bonds to be made very, very quickly Yeah. and for the comfort of that training to really Mm -hmm. like settle in.
1: Exactly, and he told Bowers, he said that the team respects him as well. So if you want things to go along smoothly, give me Mark.
0: I think they did a really, really good job with how well... The respect between the captain and the soldiers, and the soldiers and the the chief, throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. Like there were definitely multiple times definitely. where they were like, "Um, I can't ask you guys to do this," and they're like, "Oh, you can, you can. Just You're give us gonna the just give us the order." And they're yeah. like, oh, "Best, couldn't ask for a better day. Yeah, perfect. Let's go do it."
1: Exactly. I was actually listening to. I actually listened to so many podcast episodes about this, but I listened to a podcast episode that had an interview with Mark and Bob. And it was after they had the ch- a chance to watch the movie. And Mark comments on that scene, on this whole beginning part. And he said, he's like, I was, I was mad and I did want my team back, but I didn't break any desks. <laughs> <laughs> like he does. <laughs>
0: Listen, Thor has to break <laughs> some stuff, okay? You got to let the man flex his gigantic biceps.
1: It is really funny listening to podcasts with, with Bob and Mark. Because Mark mentions... Chris Hemsworth all the time because that's who plays him. Right, and that he even had a picture taken with his family with Chris Hemsworth, and so he uses that when, P- when he's like, "This is my family with Chris Hemsworth in it." <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty funny. They're actually really funny dudes.
0: Most military people are extremely funny. You see yes. that that scene, um, and maybe we'll get to it. But there's a couple multiple scenes where you see that they're just. Um, they get together and they're like, "Oh, how are you doing? I've oh, been better ever since I got out of your out of your mom's house." And oh yeah, <laughs> that like level of banter and like back and forth. Yeah. We it's one of the better things about being in the military is sure. those really really weird um, harassment slash fun moments
1: between yeah. each other, like those crazy interactions. Yeah, that's funny. So then, in the movie, we see all of the soldiers saying goodbye to their families. Like I said before, this scene was super hard for me to watch. <laughs> All of them. It was so hard for me to watch. There's not much written about the majority of the families during this time, though. Because, like I said, we don't know who the actual people are. And you're
0: not going to hear a lot of those stories. Like, that's a that's a soldier-to-soldier communication yeah. and uh, and stories. So, like... um. I, I thought it was really funny, like the, the the one wife is in the in the oven yeah. cleaning and she's like some some wives cry, I clean. I clean.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like I wish I had that. <laughs>
0: no, yeah, Shaylee's a crier.
1: <laughs> I'm definitely a crier. I need to learn how I can be a cleaner instead. That would make things a lot better if I would clean instead of cry. You make do my both. whole life easier. You use, you
0: use your tears to clean.
1: <laughs> I don't, but I should, yeah. <laughs> uh I did read an article though where Bob was recounting what happened, and he said that his wife had just asked him, she said, you're going to war, aren't you? And he said, of course. And she asked, when? And he responded with, I don't know, but I'll tell you as soon as I can. So he did write that. So it wasn't this whole, like, she's upset about him leaving thing. Like, she had accepted it. She was like, cool, when when are you going? Type thing. And
0: if you're married to an ODA guy, those guys... They're deployed very often and they're very, very busy because they're really, really good at their jobs. Like they're really good at the jobs. Um, us lowly normal military people, when we, (laughs) when we deal with Green Beret or ODA, Uh like you, you take what they say as gospel and you just try to learn because they're so good at their jobs. Really? Mm -hmm.
1: I didn't know that. Do we have any Green Berets in Utah?
0: That's, I don't know.
1: I don't know either. I had never even heard of the term Green Beret until I watched this movie.
0: That's a little weird, but yeah. Yeah. yeah that's
1: <laughs> it's like, I know we have special forces, but, and then regular people, but that's about <laughs> all I know. <laughs> I know we have a couple bases, but that's all I know.
0: That's good. It's about where normal people should <laughs> sit.
1: <laughs> I guess so. What this movie doesn't tell you about the families is they went on an, an emotional roller coaster for days with this deployment
0: no, that's real
1: that's real i feel that super hardcore <laughs> <laughs> it was like every other day with you was like no nah, we'll leave tomorrow man nah, we'll leave tomorrow that that's what they went through yeah multiple times the families would drop them off they'd wait all day then the families would come and pick them back up because they weren't ready to leave yet they were supposed to leave Did i write this down I don't think I wrote it. Oh, yeah. They were supposed to arrive in Afghanistan on September 14th. So just days after the whole attack after happened. 9-11. But they didn't arrive until October 16th.
0: Wow. That's, that's interesting. I didn't realize it took them a full month.
1: It took them a full month. They were delayed many times.
0: Did it take... Sorry. Um, did it take a full month for them to get to Afghanistan or for them to leave the United States?
1: For them to get to Uzbekistan. That, that that was their first station before they went into Afghanistan. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. They actually they got into Uzbekistan on the 5th of October and then got into Afghanistan on the 17th of October. Okay. So, but it did take them a while. Part of it was the just not knowing what's going on and then another part was the weather cuz the weather was really bad cuz it's Yeah, September, the weather October in, time frame.
0: Uh the weather in northern Afghanistan is very especially in late fall is mm-hmm. very unpredictable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was part, there's actually a scene in the movie when they're getting to Uzbekistan where one of the other soldiers is like, where have you guys been? And, uh, the Diller, one of the guys. Diller. was Like, I, th- I think it might've been Diller. We stopped at guy.
0: Macy's or something. He says something funny. Like we stopped at Macy's or yeah. I got a, had a dental appointment. Yeah.
1: And, and then somebody else was like, ah, oh, the weather caught us up. And it's like, that was really, yeah, that was really why. So then the movie, it jumps to October 16th, and like I said, the group's landing in Uzbekistan, which is almost accurate. Um, the ODA 595 landed in Uzbekistan on the 5th of October and crossed into Afghanistan on the 19th, not the 17th, the 19th of um, October. Okay. So where they got the 16th, I'm not quite sure. Just a random day in there. But it was the 5th and the 19th.
0: Well, it may be that the the other spot that they landed... Because they probably hopped around quite a bit. I don't know for sure. But mm-hmm. um, Uzbekistan probably, like you said, happened on the 5th. Yeah. There may have been another stop in Afghanistan um, on the 16th.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, random note. Do you know what ODA stands for? I would love to learn. It stands for Operational Detachment Alpha.
0: Operational Detachment Alpha.
1: Yeah. Good. I learned that while I was doing my research because I was like, I don't know what ODA stands for, so I Googled it, and that's what it stands for. So like I was saying, they were originally supposed to arrive in Uzbekistan on the 14th, just three days after the bombing, but they were delayed. They really did land at what's called the K-2 base, though. And I'm probably going to butcher this name, but I'm going to try to say it. This base is actually called the Karshi-Khanabad Air Base.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what that is.
1: Yeah, it's a K-2 base in Uzbekistan. Hmm. But the base was nothing like what the movie shows. So the movie has like the tents all set up. No, when they were dropped off, their stuff was dropped. It was thrown into an open space on the ground. And then they slept on the ground because there were no tents set up. And the next morning they had to set up the tents. Wow. Yes.
0: Yeah, they really came in on ground zero.
1: They did. Yeah. It was an old Soviet base, but it was like super run down. So there really wasn't anywhere for them to sleep. So in the movie, K2 base that I just mentioned, whose name I can't pronounce, is super busy. And Mitch is told that there are five other teams who are being interviewed for the same mission that he wants to go on, that his group wants to go on. There really were other teams there that were all interviewing for this mission, and they all did have to go through a full interview process. Obviously, like it shows in the movie, because that's what the movie's about, Mitch and his group, his team, are chosen for the mission. There was actually another group that was originally chosen, chosen, chosen for the mission. Chosen for the mission. But just days before they were set to leave, this group leader was asked by the head honcho man if they could direct a bomb strike from a B-52, which is like a big plane.
0: Which it was great um, because he probably hesitated. And... He, he was like, um, sure, yeah, because nobody's done it.
1: Nobody's done it, exactly. And instead of being, like, confident that he could at least try it, he was like, I don't know, there's a big plane, <laughs> I don't know. Whereas when they asked Mark <laughs> if he could do it, it was a lot like the interaction that went down in the movie with Mitch and the guy, where he said, like, nobody's done it, but we're going to do it, like... Super confident about it, had no hesitation, full confidence in his team that they would be able to do it. Yeah. So they were given the mission. And
0: that's where, and that confidence probably came from the fact that he had the chief with him that knew how to do that so well.
1: Yeah, that's true. In, where was I reading this? Oh, in a podcast I was listening to, Bob is talking about this, how they were given the mission. They had 48 hours to prepare for this mission get everything packed up and ready to go. And they were was... probably
0: ready as soon as they landed, yeah. honestly.
1: Well, he was saying that the majority of the time when it comes to a special forces mission like this, they they give the soldiers 96 hours to prepare, gather intel, that kind of stuff. He was like, we got it. We were ready within those 48 hours with time to spare. So we were like, let's go. We've been here way too long. We need to leave.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, especially if they're not sleeping in tents and they're in these just the super... They did set up tents. Yeah. But... When Not when great. you're in the scenarios like that, and you're that kind of a team,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know they're going to be hyped and ready.
1: So ready. Yeah, they were very ready for this mission. And the goal for this mission is to take Masri Shreeth. In the book, Swords of Lightning, I forgot what the book was called. <laughs> in the book, Swords of Lightning, they wrote the goal as, quote, hook up with Dostam, help him by the Taliban. If at all possible, it would be fantastic if you could seize an airfield. There's one near a northern city about 80 or 100 miles from where you'll be going. See you in six months, hopefully. And that was their mission.
0: That was the that was the breakdown of what they were supposed to do.
1: I don't know if that was from like higher ups or if that's what like I bet- Mitch and Bob were like, or Mark and Bob were like, this is our mission. Hopefully we'll see you in six
0: months. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of message that you get from George W. Bush. And he's just like, hey, so
2: hopefully we'll see you in six months. <laughs> hopefully we'll see you in six months. Right, thank you, like <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs>
1: But yeah, so that was their, that was their mission. In the movie, Mitch tells the, I wrote general. I don't know. Do you know what rank that guy is? The bald one?
0: I don't, I want to say he's colonel, but I don't remember what they said. So, and I wasn't I paying attention that much.
1: The other guy is Colonel Max Bowers. Yeah, the dark haired guy. Right. That's Colonel Max Bowers. So we'll say the other guys a colonel as well. I They're don't, probably both I Colonels. don't, I wasn't
0: paying that much of attention. And I don't, and I don't think they Did they not say anything in the swords uh, in the book either? No. Then it probably is something where it's important that his rank and his identity remain kind of unknown.
1: Maybe. So we'll just call him another colonel. So Mitch is telling this colonel that he'll have the mission completed in three weeks because of the winter weather coming in. I couldn't find anywhere to say that this was why he wanted the mission completed in three weeks, but it makes sense given the terrain of Afghanistan in November.
0: Which, it's wild. Uh, I loved the comment that he, or the quote that they used inside of the movie, that the Russians wrote about Afghanistan winter. Yeah. And he's like, you don't take that lightly. Like, yeah. that's a serious... If the Russians are complaining about the, yeah, the winter. Yeah, if the Russians are complaining about the winter, it's something to take it's very, a, very
1: seriously. Yes, exactly. It really did only take them three weeks to accomplish this mission, though. That is insane. Crazy. So I don't know if this whole, like, we'll finish it in three weeks thing actually happened or if it was just, like, they actually did finish it in three weeks type thing, you know? But they did. They started the mission on October 17th, 2001, and it was finished on November 10th, 2001.
0: It literally only took them a month, essentially. Yeah, less than a month. Less than a month. Three weeks. and Exactly. To think about how far they had to walk for each yeah. of those, like... That entire three weeks, they were never comfortable. No, never. No. Like that's basically three weeks without showering, without eating mm-hmm. a hot meal. That's three weeks. Yeah, which I love the scene. Uh, the scene where they, uh, the one guy buys a sheep
1: yeah there's nowhere written that it actually happens no but but i could totally i could totally see him
0: (laughs) we're gonna uh i caught i caught this we're we're gonna i'm gonna buy that and i'm gonna go eat it
1: yeah what was it three hundred dollars something like that yeah three
0: hundred dollars for a sheep he's like yeah you should be a contractor
1: (laughs) exactly uh anyway so during this conversation in the movie mitch is handed a piece of metal from the twin towers it's like his motivation to keep going, right? Right. This is actually false. Oh, he really? was not given a piece of metal. They They were talking in one of my podcast episodes, they were talking to Mark and Bob about it, and they were saying that it was too early from the time that they left because the rubble was still being cleaned and bodies were still being found and that kind of stuff. So it wouldn't have been kosher, I guess, to take a piece of metal from that because of the hazards and everything that they were still trying to deal with with that.
0: Yeah. I imagine that they were still trying to see like they were still studying the debris.
1: Yes. Yep. Cause they left, I mean, they left like a, a month after, but it was still too early. He did carry a picture of his wife with him though.
0: Very normal. Just not. Just never. not a piece of uh, the towers.
1: Yes. So now that da- task force tagger. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Task Force Dagger is formed, and they really were called Task Force Dagger. One fact, during the scene, you see some guys with makeshift gym equipment. So, they're like, doing, like, the bench press with a stick with bags of sand tied to them. This was true. They did just fill whatever they could with sand or water or whatever they had to make it heavy and used that to lift to keep in shape.
0: Oh, yeah. That's very normal.
1: Yep. It was written about in the book. So then in our next scene, the crew is loading into a helicopter, being told that that they'll be flying at 25,000 feet. I couldn't find anywhere that flying at 25,000 feet actually happened. But I did read that they all had to cram into one helicopter when the original plan was two helicopters for them to climb into. So because of this, they had to get rid of any extra weight they had. Because the helicopter couldn't fly with all of the extra weight.
0: Is that why they had to do all their supply drop later? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is so yes. fu- re- unreal.
1: So then Bob in one of the podcasts... I keep saying that. I'm sorry, guys. That's very repetitive. But it's true. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So Bob in one of the episodes that I was listening to was joking, saying that they were throwing out the Kevlar because they were like, this is too heavy anyway. And the the... Afghanistan soldiers that they would fight with didn't have that, so he's like, "It'll be a way for us to connect with them." As they're throwing out the Kevlar and like the heavy equipment, some guys are throwing out the candy bars, crying about it, and they're like, "We're not going to get these again." (laughs) So, but they did. They threw out the Kevlar off of the off of the helicopter,
0: which is insane because that meant that they were running around without like the standard protection, which is also super nice because Kevlar is so so heavy. heavy.
1: And that's what he was saying. He's like, "I'm okay with it. Like, just get rid of it. Yeah, just get rid of it at this point." They did say that it was freezing, though. So, like it shows in the movie, it was super cold, and the weather was su- very awful.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, the northern northern side of Afghanistan is super high.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You got to
0: remember that the, the the mountain ranges that they're talking about, those are some of the veins that feed the Himalayas. Yes. So, which
1: is why I think that they were talking about flying twenty five thousand feet because you'd have to fly that high to get over those mountain ranges. That's correct. So,
0: um. I don't know if you're going to bring this up or not, but there's a scene when they're flying and the the Blackhawk, uh, are you going to talk about this? Keep going. The the Blackhawks that are flying with the uh, Chinook, Chinook um, they actually end up pulling back mm-hmm. in the movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, that's very uh, kind of a real thing mm-hmm. because Chinooks actually generate more power, speed, and thrust than Blackhawks and Apaches. And so they can actually fly higher in elevation than some of those other things.
1: Yeah, so that, this actually did happen. So they had the two Blackhawks flying in front. The visibility was so bad that the Blackhawks said it's a blind zone. We can't fly any further and turned around and flew back. So it was just the Chinook. And it, there were multiple times that they thought they were going to crash into things because they couldn't see anything. So they basically were flying blind for the majority of the time they were flying.
0: Which is so crazy because mm-hmm. that just means... So when you're talking about like flight... That means that they plotted a bunch of like numbers, timed it, and just went off of compass and time. Yep. To be like, we should be in some yeah. in the right place.
1: I think we're at the LZ landing zone. Yeah, landing zone. zone. Good yep. job, babe. Thanks. I learned that too during my research.
0: Um, and so it just is a testament to like how good pilots can fly, mm-hmm. regardless of what they can see. Yes. Um. And I don't remember how good like GPS or positional tracking was at the time. So a lot of that could have been just like them trying to like time it and getting Mm -hmm. the direction. And I'm going this far, this fast in this amount of time. I hope I've gotten to this point. And then they would make a turn and then go to this point and then make another turn and go to this point.
1: Exactly. So that, yeah. So that all really did happen. So then when they're landing in the movie, there's a big dramatic scene where the soldiers almost kill the escort people. that are supposed to come and take them to their base camp or whatever. Big flex
0: of muscle. And I'm going to shoot you and you're going to shoot me. Everyone's just
1: yelling at each other. Yeah. That didn't happen in reality. In reality, they waited for a couple minutes and sent up like a little light showing that they were there. It's like a green. Yeah. But it was green. It was green flash. That's what they said.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And then the CIA agent and two of the Afghan soldiers came up and Mark and Bob commented to each other that these guys looked like the sand people from Star Wars as they were walking forward. They're like chuckling to themselves, but they knew that they were friendlies. They didn't freak out like they did in the movie.
0: That makes sense. They must have had had, uh, radio contact. Um, Or I wonder if it was, you said that it was a green flash? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. It could have been, uh, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they said it was a green flash, because they were signaling and then they received a single ba- signal back, so they knew it was the people. So it wasn't this whole like, we're gonna shoot you because you're bad guys. And no, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so then our next scene shows the soldiers going to the compound, and their escort, which is the CIA agent, he tells them, "This is it. We call it the Alamo." That's almost factual they did call it the alamo but it wasn't the original name of it the soldiers from the 595 came in and nicknamed it the alamo oh so it wasn't okay. originally called the alamo what did happen is as they were coming into the compound someone said welcome to the afghan holiday inn
2: is what they <laughs> said, and then that's
1: when mark and the soldiers were like this is the alamo which the alamo was a terrible name and and the higher-ups were really pissed off that they called it the alamo but like Colonel Max Bowers was like you called it the what? Like they called it the Alamo. He's like that's bad luck. Um, but it wasn't because yeah. bad things. Happen soldiers with the Alamo. are.
0: I love this is this is something that they showed multiple times in in the movie. But soldiers are very superstitious. Yeah. So like, there's one scene. Where uh, a guy's standing in front of a wall, and he's like, "This is just like the place where empires come to fall." Because he was looking at like different like signatures or scribes or whatever. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and somebody else is like, "No one, no one writes on that writes wall. writes on that wall." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that Bad is juju. That is some superstitious like army stuff. One hundred percent. Like one hundred percent. Nope,
1: not doing it. So then, well, while being briefed. Mitch is told that the Northern Alliance is made up of three militia. One was run by General Dostum, which is who they're meeting up with. One by General Ada, and the third by General Mohakik. They don't actually know if that's how you spell it. It's just how it sounded, and so that's what they like decided that the spelling was. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's Mohakik. And from what I was reading, General Dostum and General Ada, who were former enemies, created the United Front to fight against the Taliban. Okay. But it had more than just Dostum, Adda, and Mohakik. There were also forces from Abdul Haq and Haji Abdul Qadir. So there were five generals in total. Oh, okay. But the three but main ones... But they were all
0: separate warlords.
1: Yes. They okay. were. But they were all against the Taliban, so they all had a common enemy. So they all came together to create the Northern Alliance. Okay. So mostly right. I mean, they got the, the three, the biggest ones. So then during this conversation, the soldiers are learning a bit about Dostum. So he started fighting the Russians when he was 15, 16 years old. And he did join the Afghan National Army as a teenager.
0: That's really interesting that they bring in the fact that he's been fighting the Russians since he was like 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Because that kind of brings up this history of how long the CIA was involved with the Northern Alliance. Because there's actually another movie that talks about the CIA. And I can't remember the the director of the CIA's name right off the top of my head,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but he, it was his responsibility to help the, the Afghan, uh, Afghani army and nation push out the Russians. Oh, really? And so he was one of the, this, the CIA director was in charge of feeding the Afghan army full of weapons and full of RPGs and training. And that's how Afghanistan was able to finally push out Russia from. Really? And so that's why General Dotson has been, was able to push out uh, or like has been fighting the Russians since he was 16.
1: Wow. That's really interesting.
0: There's also a little bit of the conspiracy. Oh, well not conspiracy uh, because you can kind of create a direct cause and relation that the CIA, because they put so much training and money and military power into the Afghani army to get rid of the Russians, it also created some of the Taliban.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. You also learn in the scene that Dostum doesn't speak English. In the movie, he does speak English. In reality, he did not speak English. He did speak Russian. And that is how him and Mark would communicate was by, because Mark could speak Russian as well.
0: How come Mark knew Russian?
1: I don't actually know why Mark knew Russian.
0: That's such a weird thing. Because he's from like Arkansas, right?
1: Yeah. Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. He's from Washington, Kansas.
0: So I just want to kind of like make a point of how bizarre it is for a person from like uh, a captain from Kansas to be fluent in Russian.
1: It's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like that, uh, they they you talk about how they got picked because of like their their confidence with the B fifty two bomber and confidence as ODA and, and being able to do that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but being able to actually communicate with uh, General Dotson because he speaks Russian, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a pretty obvious like let's put this commander who can actually talk to the other guy, yeah, and and push the game it. push the game forward.
1: That's true. Yeah, he also did use uh. Dostum did use a translator, like what he has in the movie. Oh, gotcha. In the movie. He really did do that because Mark was really the only one that could communicate with him. And random small detail about this scene. One of the soldiers is reading the book, The Bear Went Over the Mountain. In one of the podcast episodes that I've already previously mentioned multiple times, Mark said that he, when he was watching the movie, he noticed this and loved the attention to detail this movie made because that book was one of the only books about Afghanistan at the time. So all of the soldiers did actually have to read that book to get any sort of intel on Afghanistan. Really? That yes. was
0: their brief, that was their prep for yes. what to, to learn about Afghanistan?
1: They had that book, The Bear Went Over the Mountain, National Geographic magazines, and tourist maps. Oh, and that's all that they had gosh. about Afghanistan. Yeah. So so in the movie, you see Chris Hemsworth with a tourist map of Afghanistan. That's really what they had because they didn't have actual like written maps of Afghanistan.
0: Oh my gosh. Yep. So they they literally didn't know didn't know like where they were at. If you Knew think nothing. about like I think about how detailed the maps are that we use on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um that's w- incredible. Mm-hmm. Especially oh, this just made this just bring a huge light bulb to my head. Um <laughs>
1: That's a cute way you said that. <laughs>
0: uh so without having a they were using a tourist map and not an actual like detailed grid map yep they were calling in bomb strikes using like these super simple Uh like not very very accurate maps Uh how they hit anything is a freaking miracle
1: right so it's fun it's not funny it's cool if you google afghanistan maps from 2001 there's actually an archive of like the military maps that they used where like they would get information from these guys and draw it out. And it's literally just this big blob that says Masary Sharif and then like Kabul a little ways like South of it. And then there's just like little like X is where these guys are. And there's no roads. There's no nothing. Like it's just this big blob. That's like, yeah, this is probably kind of where Masary Sharif is. This is kind of where Kabul is. This is kind of where (laughs) where their base camp is. It's so funny. Because it's, like, not detailed at all because they didn't know anything about it.
0: Which is just insane.
1: Yes. So then in the movie, we see General Dostum riding in on horseback with a bunch of men. And this scene is actually fairly accurate. The soldiers were actually really surprised to see horses. They knew about the horses. They figured they would ride on horses. But Once they, like, saw them, they were like, okay, this is actually happening. Like, we're actually going to be on horseback. And General Dostum did actually come riding in on a white horse, like he does in the movie. Although I'm sure the Afghan soldiers wouldn't waste bullets doing excitement shots like they do in the movie. They're like all excited and start shooting into the air because General Dostum's coming back. In reality, their stores of ammo were so depleted that anytime they went into a battle before the Americans got there, each man had five bullets to take with him into battle. Oh. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. And that's why they were... That's... Them fighting the the Taliban with that? Yes. Oh, my gosh.
1: They had written, so before 9-11 happened, Dostum and Ada and Mohawkik, the three generals, had written to the U.S. many times trying to get them to come in to help them fight the Taliban because their sources were so depleted, resources were so depleted. But it was just falling on deaf ears over and over and over again mm. until 9-11 happened. So then when these generals heard that the Americans were coming, they were so excited because they were like, we'll finally have resources enough to be able to actually do damage to the Taliban.
0: Oh, that makes sense.
1: And they would... I don't have this written down in here. But they would actually do a lot of um, nighttime... Not like a sneak attack, but like a... Night raids. Yes, where they would go in, find where all the ammo was, and just take whatever they could and run with it so that they had something to use. Because like I said, they were down to five bullets a person.
0: That's why it's so important when... Uh, the army goes anywhere, they have to create such a secure border just around ammo.
1: Yes. Yeah. So like it shows in the movie, the soldiers did give Dostum horse feed as a gift at first. And he was okay with it. Like, the horses needed food. But then they really did give him the vodka. And he was like, yes, now we talk because he had vodka now. And that's all (laughs) accurate. In the movie, Dostum does this big, like, you don't have killer eyes scene with, yeah. with with Mitch. In reality, when they sat down and started talking, it was seconds before Dostum was like, okay, here's my map. Here's where the enemy is. Here's where we're going in. There was no like this whole... He didn't have to win to him over trust. kind no. of stuff. No, he was ready. He was like, I wanted you guys here months ago. You guys are here now. This is what we're doing. And like jumped right into it.
0: Which actually correlates to what you just said with about the map and being excited about being able to push forward. Yeah, it it creates a great like an understanding of he was that's a tribute to how intelligent he was and how quickly he was prepared to take the resources that these ODA soldiers brought to him Mm -hmm. and put them to use yes like his plan was detailed and ready but he just was ready for like he was like give me three
1: weeks (laughs) yes no exactly that's that's exactly what it was so there wasn't this like you have to earn my trust and that all kind of stuff. No, he was like, "Let's go. I'm I'm ready." So then in the movie, Dostum tells Mitch that he has horses for him, but only six horses. Which Mitch is like, "No, I don't want to split up the team," and he's all upset about it. In reality, the original plan was to split up the team. They were going to split them up into two two groups, groups of six. Six were going to stay back at base camp. The other six were going to go out and map and start the, the area. process. Yes. In reality, Dostum had originally told Mark that he only had four horses for him, and then Mark was like, no, I need six horses, so Dostum found him two more, and that's how it went down. produced two more horses. he was like, okay, you two get off your horses, you two (laughs) go on those horses.
2: Oh, this is my
1: favorite horse. (laughs) It's like, this is my baby.
0: (laughs) Oh, one last sugar cube for you.
1: (laughs) This horse part, the soldiers trying to get right on the horses, is fairly accurate. In reality, Mark was the only one that had any experience riding horses. He actually did the rodeo growing up so oh, and lived okay. on a ranch in Kansas. So he did a lot of horseback riding where nobody else did. So he had to quickly like teach them, like it shows in the movie, how to ride a horse. And in reality, like it shows in the movie, Dostum and his men just like Take left. off. Yes. And Mitch is like... Or Mark was like, okay, get on your horses, guys. We have We have to go. <laughs> we have to go. But everyone... Was having a really hard time riding the horses because the horses were so much smaller because they were meant for Afghanistan people that are a lot shorter. The stirrups were a lot shorter. The saddles were a lot smaller.
0: Oh, so they had to do a lot of adjustments to adjust for these huge, you know, six to seven foot tall. And it would just uh, it was just Americans. awkward for them
1: to to ride on them. The stirrups kept breaking because they would like push in the stirrup to try to get up onto the horse and it would snap under underneath their weight. It was super awkward. That's actually why. So in the movie, Spencer has a bad back. He's the one that has the injured back. In reality, Bob really did injure his back by riding on the horse because he was squeezing the horse too tight with his um, legs. And then the way that he would adjust in the saddle because the saddle was too small for him caused him to have a herniated disc in his low back.
0: Just for, like, that's how he hurt his back, was trying Riding to just a horse. ride yeah. the horse?
1: Yeah. And it in the podcast, he was saying that the scene that shows them, like, trying to get help him, get this happens later, but help him get off the horse, where he's like, I can't get off my horse because his back is injured. That really did happen. He's like, I was a lot more graceful than that. But that really did happen because he couldn't, like... <laughs> Get so himself
0: just, off. He just slipped out of it, like ah.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was like, "I need help, you guys." So they would have to help lift him off of the horse because he couldn't get himself off the horse because his back was so so bad from riding horses.
0: Oh, so I feel that pain of uh having back problems. But yes. But I cannot imagine the amount of like pain and discomfort that he was going through, where having every to... like yep. every step just compressed his discs and expanded them, yeah. and compressed and I'm sure. He was like I can't feel my legs. My toes are just completely oh, I'm numb sure. and I am going to die.
1: <laughs> for for real. Although in the movie the soldiers ride super close together with these horses? No. No. They couldn't. Mark, Mark was saying that these horses were mean. They would bite you and each other. So if you rode too close together, they would start attacking each other. <laughs> so they had to ride far apart. Uh it's
0: that uh that's funny that the horses would do that but it's also a a little bit of a like you don't ever want to like when you travel mm-hmm. and you're in a place where you can get blown up uh oh. you don't want to really be close to each other yes. so you that create space too. that if anything goes crazy only one person gets hurt if something happens
1: yeah that that makes sense too but they they didn't mention that they just mentioned that the horses would fight each other so they had to stay back away from each other
0: that's funny that so, the high horses would, eat, would, were, would
1: he said their horses were like I'm
0: sure he was like, compared to my Kansas
1: horses, these feral
0: beasts,
1: (laughs) these tiny little midget horses that just bite (laughs) each other. Yeah, he said they were not very nice horses, but they did ride the horses. So then, in the movie, the next scene was actually probably the hardest scene for me to watch, and I only watched it once. Every other time that I watched it, I had to skip through it. But it's a scene where the female teacher. Uh the, the teacher, teacher and the gets kids. Shot. Yeah. That was really hard for me to watch. Like really hard for me to watch. So what happens in the scene for everyone that has not watched this movie? If you want to skip ahead a few seconds, you're more than welcome to, because you don't have to listen to this scene because this has really nothing to do with the movie, but there are facts about it. So in this scene, the leader of the Taliban group is questioning a bunch of young girls about school related stuff. Like math questions, math
0: questions, how to spell.
1: Exactly. And they're super smart. He asks them like, a, what's like 120 times 34 or something like that. And one of the little girls who's like seven knows the answer. I was like, I I couldn't do that math in my head. That's too much for me. <laughs> but they're super smart, but they're all like crying. And I'm like, "Please don't. And there's a woman kneeling in the middle of the ground. And she had been teaching these girls how to read and how to do math. So he rips off her hijab and shoots her in the head. There's no record of this specific scene happening, but there are many records of teachers and headmasters being killed for teaching girls because the Taliban didn't want females to be educated.
0: Uh, they didn't want. So the, the line inside of the movie was no woman will continue their education beyond the age of eight. Because so no you can teach them up into a certain point, and then after that, it is whatever they you know they can. They're they're basically to at the age of eight they could start becoming women. Yeah, and after that, your per full purpose is to raise kids.
1: Yeah, and take care of your husband. Yep. Yeah, so no girl over the age of eight. So there were still. Women and even men that wanted w- girls to still have an education. So uh, General
0: Dudston actually says that in the he movie, does. he's like, "My, you know, when I ran, were, ruled my city, we had movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, you know, women wore didn't wear the shawl. They were educated.
1: Yeah. yeah, and he he was a great leader by all accounts that I read. Like he did a great job.
0: Uh, he still was.
1: Yeah, he's not anymore. He's as of twenty twenty, he's not the the vice president of afghanistan anymore
0: oh he's not okay
1: so there are many instances of attacks happening there's a report of the taliban attacking girls on the way to school they would throw acid in their face on their way to school and there was even a headmaster of an all-girls school that was killed because he was and he was a man too but he was over an all-girls school so he was killed by the taliban as well so there are a lot of facts in that, but that was really hard for me to watch.
0: It, uh, it was a great Hollywood scene to help yes. create a lot of uh, justification for what was yes. going to come from the, the back half of the it movie. It just
1: showed you how bad the Taliban really are.
0: During the time, yeah.
1: Yes. So then in the movie, the soldiers, going back to the American soldiers, are walking through a town. I think it's supposed to be the town of Dehi. It didn't actually tell you which town it was, but I think it's supposed to be Dehi. Because in the book, this similar scene happens, and it is the town called Dehi. And everybody's watching them as they're walking through. The kids are watching. There's women, like, peeking around corners watching them. And it makes them nervous that all these people are watching them. In the book, they write about riding through villages, many villages, Dehi included, But the people would cheer and holler as they went through because they were like, finally, like the Americans are here to free us from this from the Taliban Taliban rule. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they were super grateful that they were there and different people would come up and try to like express that thanks to them. But obviously they couldn't speak the language. Right. But they would just like say things over and over again. And they could tell just by the way they were saying it, that it was like. We're so grateful you're here.
0: Yeah. And body language, right? Like you, if you walk up to somebody with a big smile on your face or tears and yes, there's, there's a difference between fear and gratitude.
1: Yes, exactly. So in this scene in the movie, it looks like fear because they're all kind of hiding away from them. When in reality, every town that they went into, according to the books, everybody was very happy to see them. So most of the next part of the movie, their base camp is inside of a cave. And according to the book, this is accurate. They had a cave that they stayed in. That was their base camp. They made that their home away from the Alamo is what they called it. So then in this cave, Mitch and Diller are talking, and Diller mentions that he was a history teacher before joining the military. This information is in the 12 Strong book, but not in the Swords of Lightning book. But it was hard to research Diller because Diller's name has been changed, and I don't know Diller's actual name. Okay. So I tried researching like... If so they kind of
0: created any backstory they wanted.
1: Yes. According to the 12 Strong... So this movie is based off of the 12 Strong book. It's called 12 Strong. It used to be called Horse Soldiers. Oh, okay. But then they changed the name when this movie came out. So it's based on that book specifically. So there's quite a bit of information that's correct from it. But the guy was not there. The, the author of that book was not there when this all happened. So, I'm not oh, sure okay. where he so got So, he's kind of going off
0: of secondhand information as well.
1: Yes. Yes. So, Diller, according to his book, was a history teacher. But I could not find any information about who Diller actually is and if he was actually a history teacher. Oh, gotcha. So, then they're heading to Besham. And try as I might, I could not find Besham anywhere.
0: Well, in your defense, they were using... No maps. It's true. That existed. So they might have just made a name up.
1: They might have. Yes. There's a few towns that I think Besham might be. So there's one that's called Kobaki. There's Kobaki, and then another one. It comes up in a minute. It starts with an S. Soul Soulgram, or something like that. I think Besham could be either of these because both of these were taken just before Mazari Sharif was. Oh. Okay. They had to take this one of those, those towns. To get to the Tanji Gap, which comes up in a second, to then get into Masri Sharif. Gotcha. So I don't know if it was Kobeki or the other one, but it's, I believe it's one of those. But Besham, there's a Besham Pakistan, but there's not a Besham Afghanistan. <laughs> so
0: that uh, creates quite a bit of
2: confusion.
1: <laughs> it does. I searched for so long. I was even, that's where I found the maps because I was researching Afghanistan maps from 2001. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. I tried very long, you guys. Anyway, so in the scene as they're heading to Besham to fight the Taliban, Dostum tells Mitch that 500, 500 of my men can die before one American gets a scratch. You know why? Because if one American die, your government leaves and we lose the war. He really, in reality, was concerned for the American safety for this reason. Because he knew if something happened to one of them, the mission was over.
2: Well,
0: I'm sure that came from that uh, that experience with the CIA and the Russians. Whenever oh, yeah. anything would happen to a CIA agent, you're going to pull out everything, right? This was such a different scenario, where George W. Bush, as soon as he decided, and and the blame was put onto the Taliban, and the Taliban took the re- uh, the repercussions of it, mm-hmm. he was like, nope. We're sending everything.
1: Yes. Yeah. So then we come to our first fighting scene of the movie. And in this first fighting scene, the plane, the B-52, when it drops the bombs, it misses because they don't have the coordinates right. So then Mitch gets the new coordinates while he's being shot at because it's a dramatic Hollywood scene. And then the bombs hit on the second time because he had the correct coordinates. I'm like 92% positive all of that is Hollywood but there is a chapter in the book that talks about how during one of the battles not this first battle I believe it was the battle of I think it was actually into the Sharif. I, th- I think it was the Tanja Gap but during that battle the plane did miss and a bunch of the Taliban soldiers ran into the crater that the plane created and they were like yeah praise Allah and then the plane hit those coordinates again and killed all of them <laughs> oh and bob joked and he's like is that just what we need to do do we need to like miss on purpose so they all run in there and then we hit them then because then we'll get all of them with one hit so i don't know if it was meant to be like based off of that because the plane missed like it does in the movie and then like re-hits in a different location but that's the only like kind of similar scene that happens in reality
0: that's insane uh I just want to take a second to like appreciate so they were dropping bombs from thirty thousand feet up in B fifty two that travels you know, three hundred miles an hour. Um the time that it would take for a bomb to drop from 30,000 feet to let's say twenty thousand feet to where the elevation of these is mm-hmm. this these these battles would be at is about thirty seconds.
1: Oh. So, so they had to do the math to figure. So out. So
0: there's incredible math and engineering that is built yeah. into these super like, and they were even more accurate than what like the movie de- depicts because that yeah. the, what the movie shows is like carpet bombing essentially, Basically. where they just, boom, they just boom, send boom, boom, a boom, bunch. Boom. Yeah. They just send a bunch, but um, I if I understand right, these are like there there's a lot smarter yeah um, than that, and if they're using, you know, maybe they're using a direction. Uh, assisted uh, system. Sure. It's really, really impressive to think about that they were flying at 300 miles an hour, dropping a bomb that in 30 seconds would hit.
2: Yeah.
1: And
0: they would be so close to be like, we want to hit the tank but not the building.
1: Yeah. And then they'd be able to hit that tank and, and then not they, they the hit
0: building. the tank and not hit the building.
1: Yeah. That makes sense though that like when they call danger close, when they call danger close later, it comes up in a little bit but it gives them that like 30 second period to be like we need to move Yeah, yeah, yeah. like run, they're run, dropping run, run, run. right now yeah because then it's like okay they just said danger close that means they're dropping we need to run like mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting so then our next scene in the movie after this whole fight goes down we see the supply drop get picked up by afghans who are trying to sell the supplies to the soldiers They've got their boots, they've got the chem mask, the guy's riding in his horse-drawn buggy with the chem mask on, all of that. The only thing that I could find that actually happened, which was kind of similar to this, was that one of the supply drops they were supposed to have fell hundreds of feet away into another group's territory. I It doesn't mention if it was Taliban territory or just another, like, militia territory, but it was a different group's territory. So then they had to, like go in the dead of night to go try to find where it fell. (laughs) Thankfully it had fallen in like the outskirts of it. So nobody was there. So they were able to retrieve their drop, but it didn't say that any of the locals picked it up except for during one of their drops, they had a radio an intercom radio Mm -hmm. that was dropped, but it fell out of the bag that the airdrop was happening in. So they couldn't find it. So they're going around this village where they think it might've dropped And one of the locals was like, oh, I think a little girl found it. Went and this little girl comes running, holding this little radio (laughs) and gives it to the soldiers. And they're like, thanks. Give him a little bit of money and then left. They're like, we need this for part of the job. Like, we need this intercom to, like, do the battle, basically. And so, thankfully, that was one of the lessons learned. So, there's a whole chapter in the Swords of Lightning book where they talk about, like, lessons learned during the war. And one of them was to expect the unexpected because they were like, there's no way we're going to find this. And then this little girl comes running over with it. Like I found (laughs) it for you guys. Here you go. So it's pretty funny. So then the next battle, which is the actual battle for Besham, the city. So the first battle was for the outskirts of Besham, which Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure is Kobaki. But the battle for Besham happens and Mitch tells Dostum that he's not sure horses were the best idea because they're super close to where the bombs are going to be hitting and he's worried that the bombs are going to scare the horses. To which Dostum responds with, the horses know that these are American bombs. They won't be afraid. This is actually a quote from the book.
0: Are you serious? Yes. Dostum was really like, ah, American bombs. These horses are going to be fine. Now that we know that they would like bite each other and they were assholes, they were probably like, oh, I will eat that bomb.
1: <laughs> probably. I don't care. Probably. But it wasn't Dostum that said it. So what actually happened was during the... Um, the attack was in the Daria Sef Valley, which I think Besham is supposed to be part of the Daria Sef Valley. There was a huge miscommunication, which was almost fatal. So Commander Lal, he's one of the Afghan soldiers that's there. So there's General Dostum and then one of the guys that's like right next to him. His name's Commander Lal in reality. I don't know what his name is in the movie. But he gave the order to charge just as the bombs were being dropped because he misunderstood the commands that Mark was giving.
2: Oh So Mark was trying to tell
1: him like bombs are being dropped and he's like, okay, attack. And so they all ran down him and his group as these bombs are being dropped. And Mark is like, they're all going to die. They're, they're all running into this. They're all going to die. And he watched as not a single horse threw their people from their backs and like were able to dodge everything. No- none of them were injured from these bombs.
0: Are you serious?
1: Yes. And he was like, how did this happen? So as Commander Law's coming back, he's like, "How did this happen?" and he's like, "Oh, they knew the horses knew they were American bombs." <laughs> and Mark's just like, "That, that doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense." That's dumb." "I love yeah, horses. But that's, horses
0: are fantastic." "But that's ridiculous." <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's really really what happened. Wow. Right? And it is also true that during this fight, so in the movie, during this fight, they're asking for more air support and the plane's like, I'm out of fuel. Like I have to go back and refuel. That did happen. So during this battle, they had a long period of time where they had no air support. It was just the ground support that they were having to deal with.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. He said that was really hard. Also, I didn't write this down either. I always think of these little things. I'm like, that's not going to be important. then I'm like in the podcast, I'm like, I actually want to talk about it because it's kind of funny. In the book, Mark and Bob say that they would have nicknames for the pilots because there were some pilots that would drop below their, like, flying zone that they're supposed to fly at to uh-huh. help shoot if you needed it. Like, they had, like, guns Actual on the Actual ground support, yeah. Yes. Where other ones were like, nah, I can't do that. Like, that's too scary. So there, there was one where they were like, we need help down here. And the pilot's like, I can't do it. And he's like, get your ass down here. We need your help. And he's like, I'm not doing it. He's like, fine, then leave. And like yells at him. And the pilot goes back to the command center. And that night... Uh, Bob is getting a call from their colonel and he's uh-huh. like, you can't talk to the pilots like that. And he was like, he wasn't helping. I, he was not helping me. I needed him to leave so somebody else could come and help me. <laughs> and they had this whole thing. Like uh, every time they're like, what's your call sign? Okay. All right. We we need help down here because some of them would come down and help. Right. So yeah, it was pretty funny. I need to write more of this stuff down. Cause there, there's just so much information sometimes that I'm like, no, I'm not going to talk about it's, that. And it's I always to.
0: interesting to like learn the the personalities of different people in, in wars. Cause you have like, what I'll do anything to like, make sure yes. that you guys are safe. Yeah. And then there's like, I will do anything to keep myself safe.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Which was a few of the pilots. So when those pilots were come around, they'd be like, okay, drop your bombs and then leave. We need the next person to come <laughs> around. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So then in our next scene, after this whole fight goes down, Mitch is talking with Dostum about the Tianji Gap. Tanji actually means gap, so they wouldn't have called it the Tanji Gap. They just called it Tanji Gap. Or they just called it Tanji. <laughs> they just called it Tanji. Mm-hmm. But there really was a place that they called Tanji that really did kind of siphon together. Pulls everything together. Yes. And they really did need to take that in order to get to Masri Sharif. What they don't tell you is that during this battle of the Tanji, or before this battle, excuse me, uh, f- um, to get this gap, there was another town that they helped liberate, which was Solgara. So that's when I was saying that I think is actually Besham because mm-hmm. they had to take over Solgara to get to Tanji.
0: Well, and you mentioned that you had to take they had to take several different villages in order yes. to get to there. So it, yes. it's very easy that there's multiple things that they had to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. But in this city is where this conversation about Tanji happens. So they liberate the city. They go into the city talking to a bunch of the local people. They eat food there, very well respected there. And then Mark and Dostum sit down and have this conversation about overtaking Tangi together in the city. So they don't go back to the cave to oh, do this okay. conversation.
0: Yeah, that doesn't really make sense to like push super far and then run all then go the way back. back to the cave. It's true. It makes more sense when you have helicopters doing that. Because yes. you're like, oh, let's go out, drop some people, come uh-huh. back. Super easy. But when you're on horse, like whatever land or ground you take, you stay. You want to keep that. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so they stayed in this... Shulgara city, before they took Tenji. So then, in the movie, Mitch is telling his guys about going around the gap, so going up into the mountains and coming down the other side to cut off the Taliban's supply line. Mm-hmm. I love how I'm showing you with my hand; they can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> I always make fun of Charity for doing that. And I'm over here like she's over here go half and- <laughs> like,
0: Now she's playing D anD D, and I'm going to put this guy here, and I'm going to go all the way around. And we're going to flank.
1: Yes. So that is what they wanted to do. So he, so in the movie, he asked Diller, Coffers, and Bennett to do this mission. And according to the book, Andy, Bill, and Steve were chosen for this mission. No last names, just first names. Like I said, these are the ones that we don't know their actual names because I think they're – I don't know if today they're still active, but as of 2012, they were still active. So they did have to scout ahead and find where their resources were coming from and call in for an air attack to destroy – wherever these resources were at, okay, which they did. So it shows that in the movie where they're standing up on the mountain and you see the big explosion happen. They turn uh-huh. around and walk away from it. That really did happen. They found a bunch of tanks uh, fueling up, so they called in for the airstrike to hit this fuel station with the tanks there. They did, and they were like, cool, we did our job. Then they head back to Tanji to help with the actual battle. Oh, really? So that really did happen. Yes. Wow.
0: I, that means that they had to do some crazy amount of trekking. So, oh, yes. so it was pretty accurate when he said like, there's nothing in this area. Like it's desert, it's yes. mountains, there's have no to shade. You everything
1: in with you. Yes. But they were just tracking, <laughs> trekking from Shulgara, not from base camp.
0: Not from base camp. Yes. Okay.
1: So they, they still did take everything with them. I
0: really need to know if they really found a shepherd and they were <laughs> I like, cannot, I cannot I, <laughs> I'm going to eat that one. <laughs> He's like, it's not for sale. I, here's 300 American dollars. I'm going to I'm eat going
1: this going one. I'm going to eat it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot find anything to say that. That was true. But they really did blow up a fuel station. With a fuel tanks. line. Yeah, yes. cool. So then we come to the actual battle to free the city of, or free the village of Besham. Like I said before, try as I might, I couldn't find any information on this battle. Not even in the book. I did read... About how the US bombed a bunch of Taliban defenders who were stationed at the Shesameye Shafa Gorge. I'm pretty sure I said that right. That marked the southern entrance to the city. Okay. And I read about the actual Mazuri Sharif battle. But Besham, it's not a real
0: place. Not a lot of not a lot of information I'm on that. I'm gonna it. keep
1: telling you guys that. Because maybe there's somebody out there that's like Actually, my cousin's brother's uncle's son was in Afghanistan at that time, and there really is a in place. So, if there is, will you please email me at, at gmail.com so that I can know what Basham <laughs> like
2: is,
0: where this little plot, like yes. where they went, and yes. the little is it Shulgara?
1: Was it Kobaki? Is it this? What did I just say? Shazmaye Shafa? Which where is it?
0: No, not very good maps. Please for, email for, me for Shaley.
1: <laughs> please email me. So, fun fact, in the movie, Dosum talks about talks about a game called Beshtosh.
0: Is that the rocks? The rock game,
1: the five rocks.
0: Five rock, five yes. and rock.
1: Yes. So, this is a real game. It's a real Uzbek How game. How do you play? So, the aim of the game is to go through different skills without dropping a, a stone. It kind of reminds me of jacks. When you have the jacks oh, and you gotcha. bounce you and drowned. you have to grab the jacks. Okay. So, you have to do different skills, whether that's like throwing it in the air and doing a spin or doing a cartwheel or anything like that. You do the skill without dropping the rocks. And if you drop the rocks, if you drop all five, you lose. Okay. Super simple. That that's it. Oh. Yeah. But I had to look it up because I was like, I need to know what this little five game is five rocks. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you can you can Google it. And then during this conversation, he talks about like we were saying before, when he ruled and how women wore skirts, girls went to school, they had movies, all of that which is accurate. He was a good leader and actually allowed rights for his people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Also during the scene, I love this part. Mitch receives a letter from the Pentagon which bas- basically asks him what the hell they've been doing why they aren't in Mazia. Like why aren't
0: yet. you in Mazia? Ma- you said that you would be there in less than 3 weeks and you're at 2 weeks.
1: Exactly. And so then in the movie, his response is almost verbatim to what the actual letter said. The real letter is a little longer, so I'm going to read it for you. It says, in regards to your question about us and the Northern Alliance just sitting around and doing nothing, let me explain some of the realities on the ground. I love that. Just sitting on the ground doing nothing. Let me explain some of the realities on the ground. I am advising a man on how best to employ light infantry and horse cavalry in the attack against the Taliban T-55 tanks, armored personnel carriers, BTRs, mo- mortars, artillery, ZSU, anti-aircraft guns, and machine guns. A tactic which I think became outdated with the invention of the machine gun. I can't recall the U.S. fighting like this since the Gatling gun destroyed Pancho Village, uh, destroyed Pancho Villa's charge in the Mexican Civil War in the early 1900s. We have done this every day since we hit the ground. The men attack with 10 AK-47 bullets per man, with their machine gun gunner, with their machine gun gunners with less than one hundred rounds and with less than five rounds per RPG seven, which is a rocket propelled grenade launcher. Good job. In case you're wondering what that was. They have little water and less food. I have observed a PK gunner who walked ten miles to get into the fight, who is proud to show me his artificial right leg from the knee down, caused by a Taliban round round years ago. We have witnessed the horse cavalry bounding overwatch from spur to spur, Against Taliban strongpoints, The last sev- several kilometers under heavy mortar, SCU, artillery, RPG, and PK fire, and to carry their wounded from the field. There's little medical care for the injured, only a donkey ride to the special forces aid station, which is a mud hut. We are doing amazingly well with what we have. We have killed over 125 Taliban and captured over 100 while only losing eight killed in action today. Frankly, I'm surprised that we haven't been slaughtered. We will get better at working things out as we go. It is a challenge just to have food and water for a few days. These folks have nothing. I have ridden 15 miles per day since arriving, yet everywhere I go, the civilians and the Mudge soldiers are always telling me they are glad the USA has come here with soldiers and planes to help them kill the Taliban. They all speak of their hopes for a better Afghanistan once the Taliban are gone. We killed the bastards by the bushel full today, and we'll get more tomorrow. The team sends its regards.
0: That's such a cool That's letter. what
1: he said. He was basically like, screw you. I'm doing what I can. You sit back there behind your desk, sir. And yeah, but that is really what he wrote. Yeah, re- Respectfully? Stop it. <laughs> In the movie, it shows a scene of the Secretary of Defense reading his letter. Mm-hmm. That is from a briefing that he gave to the U.S. Army's 101st Airborne Airborne Division at Fort Bragg. They don't have the entire video to watch but they have like the beginning parts of it so i watched it and it's like the same soldier standing behind him the same tie like the same everything so it is actually
0: so it is a clip from that same thing
1: yes cool cool huh yeah what they don't talk about because i mean she's not pregnant in the movie but they don't talk about the letter that mark got from his wife she did end up giving birth to their baby while he was in afghanistan Mm -hmm. and thankfully both mama and baby were just fine Oh, good.
2: Because it was whole, complicated.
1: It was, yes. So there's a whole chapter that talks about like how the other wives like helped her get to the hospital. Her mom showed up after a little while. Like All of these wives kind of banded together. You kind of see that in the movie when they're all sitting down together watching the Secretary of Defense read the letter. Mm-hmm. They really did like all band together and basically become family while their husbands were gone. That's a very...
0: Uh, something that... Um, it's really hard for... for the people that have to stay home when their significant other goes away to serve. But, um, good units will have those people that stay home, come and bond yes. and and get together.
1: Yeah, it's true. We didn't do any of that because it was 2020. There were a couple girls that would get together. We, we would get together like on our own, mm-hmm. but all of the like big things that they had planned, they couldn't really do because of COVID restrictions yeah. while you were gone. You
0: had COVID problems.
1: Yeah, so not only were you in Afghanistan for 2020, I was dealing with COVID on top of it.
0: Yeah, you were stuck at home. It was a
1: long year. I mean, it was only like 10 months, but it still felt like a long year. Anyway, so then in the movie, Mitch tells Dostum that General Ada is going with another group to try to help take Mazar, and Dostum freaks out about it. From everything that I read, Dostum and Ada didn't have a feud over Mazar. They were enemies, like I mentioned. They were enemies in the past, but they both fought and helped take Mazar. So there was oh. a whole so in that when I was telling you just a little bit ago how Dostum and Mark sat down and had a discussion in
0: about what to do with Tanji
1: Yes, Mozakique and Ada showed up as well, and they talked about what to do once they were once they got into Mazar once they took over Tanji Gap Tangi. So they decided together that all of them would help take Mazar and all three of them would walk into Mazar together. Oh really? Yes.
0: So they were, they were far more allied toward against the Taliban than yes. than the initial like the beginning of the movie kind of brings forward.
1: Yeah, the movie makes it seem like, like the CIA agent says he says if they saw each other on the battlefield, they'd probably kill each other before killing the Taliban. Hmm. That's not true.
0: That was probably true prior to the Taliban. Probably
1: yes, but they all banded together to defeat the Taliban because of what was happening in their country at the time. Gotcha. So he, in the movie, it shows Dosam riding off and leaving. So he's not there for the initial battle for the Tanji, But he was. He was actually, like, leading the front lines oh, okay. in reality. And in reality, he actually had spies that were further north that told him that the Taliban had started retreating um, into Mazar. So they were all leaving Tangi, the Tanji. I keep wanting to say, I'm just going to call it Tanji Gap because that's what they call it in the movie. They were leaving Tangi Gap to go into Mazar, mm-hmm. so then Dostum was like, "Okay, now we hit them hard because they're retreating. Like, let's go." So he which led, which
0: is a very military thing. Yes, the the most dangerous part of any battle is not the initial start, the the beginning, the middle. It's the end, because when you're retreating and you're running, most of the time, like getting out safely, is really really difficult. That's when the the number of death, the deaths, really rise in ancient history it wasn't the beginning of the fight the middle fight it was when oh the enemy lines broke and some people started running that's when the slaughter would happen
1: exactly so like i was saying he was actually there for the entire battle he wasn't he didn't show up later like it shows in the movie but when they're going to start writing so dostum and mark are going to head the lines they're going to be the front of the lines when this is happening, in reality, Colonel Bowers shows up because he's upset that they're not communicating the plan with him. So he shows up and Dosum's like, I'm not going to talk to him. And just rides off. So takes his guys and rides. So then Colonel Bowers is like, Mark, I want your horse. And Mark's like, you don't know the plan. Like, let me finish this. <laughs> we'll talk later. He's like, no, I want your horse. So he took Mark's horse and rode off after Dosim into this battle. And Mark's just like, all right. Ar- what are you doing? So he's scrambling, trying to find a horse. He's like, I need somebody's horse. So finally finds a horse and follows after Dostum. We said it was this whole big thing where he's just like, here's this guy who has no idea what our plan is and what Probably we're doing. Probably
0: doesn't know how to ride a
1: horse. No. He's trying to follow after Dostum because Dostum <laughs> don't want to talk to him. He's like, you couldn't wait until after the battle to talk to him? So anyway, so like it shows in the movie during this attack, the Taliban brought in a BM-21, which I think is a rocket launcher. Is it a tank that has a rocket launcher on it? Yeah,
0: essentially think of it as um, uh, a track. So tracks with a great big pod for launch, for sending out rockets.
1: Okay. And like it says in the movie, it can fire 40 rounds. But one thing that I was reading is that it takes a very skilled crew to be able to successfully fire those 40 rounds. No, fire those 40 rounds in succession.
0: Mm, That makes sense.
1: So they were saying from what I was reading, so trying to research these BM-21s. So what they were saying is because of how you have to load it and how you have to fire it, you, you have to have multiple people working on it. And it has to be like, okay, you go, then I go. Okay, you go, then I go. Like they have to be working together.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So from what I know of the Taliban doing this research, I'm not sure that they'd be able to fire 40 rapidly like they were doing in the movie. Just mm. because of the skill that was needed to be able to, they were still able to fire them. Right. But I feel like it would have. But it had was like lags. a one.
0: All right, who's next? That that guy would go exactly, and then, then, then the next guy would go, and yes. he'd wire up, and then he'd fire that one. And
1: yes, there would be lags in between. Right, it wouldn't be. There's lags, also doof, a lot of
0: uh, aiming then and, and math that's involved in firing those rockets as well.
1: Yes, which I'm sure they were just like shoot that direction because that's the direction the Americans are coming in. Yep. That's probably all it was. There was no math involved. (laughs) (laughs) So then also during this battle, Spencer, Hal Spencer, who is actually Bob, gets hurt by a suicide bomber. You saw that? When he walks in? Yes. This never happened. They added this for dramatic effect. Bob was actually stationed back at the cave to help with casualties. So he wasn't even there for the battle happening. He was part of the medics that helped. He, like, put together a guy's foot that was, like, all, like, Busted shredded up. into pieces. Yeah, he, like, helped put it together. And someone else like, was, like, you just did, like, a surgeon's work. He's, like, I kind of did. But he was so worried because of how many people were coming back that one of them was going to be one of his One of the soldiers. Americans. Yes. Which, thankfully, it wasn't. But in the book, he actually, like, mentions that, that he's worried. Every person that's coming in, he's worried it's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So, this is the part in the movie where Dostum comes back with his army. Which, like I said, he was already there. But, while they're fighting, in reality, Mark notices movement behind him. Like, out of the corner of his eye. So, he turns around. And another Afghan militia showed up that they weren't originally fighting with to help fight. So, it was like locals. Oh, from so it was the, another
0: warlord. Yes. Or like a mayor
1: was like. Someone was like, let's to, go. To arms, going." Yeah. yeah. So, it was a bunch. He said like 200, I think more Afghans that showed up to help fight.
0: You know, do you understand the amount of chaos that that brings? <sighs> Can you, for real. Like, yeah. that's not necessarily a good thing.
1: Yeah, like, it's a lot.
0: It's a lot? But they were all and... ready to
1: follow Mark.
0: Oh, okay. As long as yeah. as as long as they're willing to, like, take direction no, no. from one person, yes. that's good. Yeah. But if they're all like, uh, <laughs> we think the Taliban's over there, and you're like, no, that's the no, no, American.
1: No. Yeah. no, like, they knew, like, they came and, like, Mark was like, "Okay, now we attack." And like he led these people along with all of his other people from like Dostum and stuff. He, led oh, all of them. okay, yeah. So they they were all ready to fight with him, but it kind of shows that in the movie when Dostum does show up and like he rides in with all of his people. So it's similar to that, but it was a different militia that showed up. In it
0: this... really kind of amplifies what you said about um the people of Afghanistan at the time were very, very ready to be rid of the Taliban and to yes. push them out. And yes. each of these communities was like, okay, if this is the, you know, this is the next big push to push the Taliban out, we're sending, you know, biggest, strongest out.
1: Yeah. No, they were all very ready. Interesting. Yes. So then in this battle, they used the phrase, phrase danger close, like I was mentioning before, to tell the planes to drop the bombs, even though they were within range of the bombs. Like I said, this did happen, but in a previous battle, not in this one. So in one of the battles, I think it was for Kobaki. They did call out danger close and the pilots like, dude, I can't like you're way too close. He's like, no danger close. So then they're like, OK, so they did run. So it did happen. Danger close did happen. They did have to call it out. It was just in an earlier battle, not in mm-hmm. this battle. Also, in reality, during this battle, so during the battle for Tangi, Dostum had ridden in head quite a ways. And it radioed to tell them that the Taliban was leaving Masri Sharif. So they were exiting from the northern side because everyone was coming in. Right? Yeah. Because they, they, were they would have been in coming in from coming the, southern, in from
0: the side. southern side of Masri. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the Taliban was fleeing, essentially, from the northern side. So Mark called in an airstrike for that and had the planes hit the Taliban's convoy as they were leaving Masri Sharif. Oh, so really? So he took out all of those. Yeah. So they were able to take out all of these Taliban as they were trying to leave Masri Sharif. Oh
0: my gosh. That's incredible. Right. That means, well, and you can't be very, like he wasn't, he probably wasn't very close for that. That's a, he calls in air support, not necessarily the B-52s because yes. then he kind yeah. of just says, Hey, this column this is where that you happening. guys can see, yeah, go hit it.
1: Yeah. So they did that. So they went in and destroyed a bunch of Taliban as they were trying to leave Masri Sharif. So then during this battle, as the Americans and the um, Afghan National Army, I think that's who, i, guess, I think that's technically who they're supposed to be, um, as they're winning, Dostum finds the leader, who is Mullah Razan, is his name, mm-hmm. and he's trying to flee in a car. A car crashes, and so Dostum shoots him in the head. That didn't happen. I think... This guy, Mullah Razan, is supposed to be loosely based on the actual leader, who is Mullah Omar that I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. But Dosum didn't shoot him. Oh, okay. In reality, he was the founder and the leader of the Taliban. Oh, really? Yes. But he didn't die until 2013.
0: Wow, he survived a long time. A long time. Is he one of those ones? So did you ever hear about the deck of cards? No. So when um, when the war on terror started... Um there and I can't remember where I remember reading this. I probably remember it from college or from high school. But uh a deck of cards was created and each of the deck of card each card inside of the deck of cards carried a terrorist's face on it. Oh interesting. And so that was they like they gave out these decks of cards to all the soldiers so that they could keep track of who these high profile terrorists were.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of that. But he would he would have been because he was the leader was the of the Taliban.
0: Mm-hmm. Did he was he taken out at the same time Osama bin Laden was? Uh, that would be an interesting to see if he, if he sure. went down with that at that same time.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that he died in 2013, but I didn't actually look into how he died. Okay. But like I was saying before, he did have a complicated relationship with Osama bin Laden because he didn't, he just didn't like him. Right. Not very so many people like Dostum. It's true. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, it's true. So then in the movie, like I mentioned earlier, they're worried about Dostum, that he's going to try to kill General Ada because mm-hmm. General Atta is trying to get to Masri Shreve before he's going to. Like I was telling you, Generals Dostum, Ada, and Mohawkik decided that they would all walk into Masri Shreve together. Although Adam must have forgotten about that because he did run into Mazar first.
0: Oh, did he? He did. Yes. Uh, Of course. But
1: it wasn't a big deal. Like everybody was just kind of happy that the Taliban had Was getting pushed out. Yes. And there were still a lot of Taliban soldiers that had like holed up in different places in Mazar. So everybody, the soldiers and Dostum and all of them were more focused on getting them out than like, oh, I had gone here first type thing. Uh
0: Uh-huh. So, Yeah, there's a lot of clearing that is involved in that kind of scenario.
1: Yes. So then in the movie, after they take Mazar, they talk about going home right afterwards. So Mitch says, our next mission, I'm taking everybody home, right? hmm This isn't exactly true. They actually, like I was saying, they sent a couple of guys to a school inside of Mazar because a bunch of Taliban had taken it over and were inside the school. So they bombed the school. yeah, because the oh. Taliban was inside of it. And any of the Taliban who survived the bomb were overrun with attacks from the locals. Oh no. Yes, So it was a slaughter. I'm trying to think of who who the two guys were. two So two of the soldiers went with a few um, Afghan soldiers uh-huh. and went up to like a top of a building to watch this happen, like give the coordinates and everything. And they said they, you see a few Taliban people like run out after it's been bombed and locals just come running over, beating them with whatever they can, like basically beat these guys to death.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. Yeah. They were like, it was a slaughter, but they were just taking justice for everything they had to endure for the last however many years with the Taliban.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Retribution
0: and then, Retribution is swift.
1: Yes. Oh Yeah. And then the soldiers also had some other work to do before they were able to go home. They were actually in uh, Masary Sharif for Veterans Day, and when Dostum found out what that day meant, he threw a big party for all of them. So they had a big party in Masary Sharif on Veterans Day. Yeah. After a few more missions, including protecting some SEALs and meeting the Secretary of Defense and the President, they did finally make it home, all 12 of them surviving.
0: That's incredible that it was 12 people yeah. they did that much oh um yeah. they made that much progress and, and all, all went home all and survived. did any they didn't have any casualties Mm-mm. so casualties doesn't always mean like death it could be like they didn't get injured
2: like not never from what any. i read cool that's yeah. that's really really Yeah, incredible. not from
1: what i read so my last couple of factual facts that i didn't i feel like i put a lot of factual facts in this there's a lot of there's
2: a lot in this there's
1: one. a lot but a couple of factual facts about this. Military planners, when they were going over this mission, thought that this mission would take over two years to complete to take Masri Sharif.
0: It they thought it would take two years. Two years. And they did it in three they weeks. They did it in three weeks. That's the difference between somebody that um that's what we like to call in my life over engineering.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They they were like, that'll probably take you about two years. And these guys are like, give me three weeks. Give me three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they did it. <laughs> In 2014, General Dostum became vice president of Afghanistan.
0: That's really cool. I yeah. so f- from what I remember reading somewhere, he actually became the like the ruler of Mazari Sharif.
1: Yeah, like the mayor?
0: Yeah, the mayor that the, sense. The, the 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 whatever, I don't know how they what they uh, label their presidents. Sure. But he was in charge of Mazari Sharif. Yeah. Um from the time that they took it over to now, I guess it was 2014.
1: Yeah, that's when he became the vice president of Afghanistan. So General Dostum and Mark actually remain co- close friends to this day.
0: Really, I yeah. think that does doesn't that say that in the be- at the end of the movie? It in, does in, in some some yeah, titles in or a whatever. Little, like
1: yeah, and General Dostum remained vice president until 2020. And in 2012, a statue for the horse soldiers was dedicated at the World Trade Center monument. So there's actually like a Statue that is a soldier uh, on a horse. sounds
0: like that uh, is something that we need to go see.
1: I feel like we might need to, especially after doing this. And then my last one, Mark and Bob created horse soldier bourbon. <gasps>
0: oh, we're gonna. I'm gonna have to get some of that
1: once you can drink again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know.
1: <laughs> or just put it in your in it'll, our it'll put in, I'll put it cabinet.
0: In, it'll. I'll put it in with my uh, selection.
1: Yeah, that works. But yeah, that was my. Podcast about 12 Strong.
0: What a crazy uh, story. Yeah. Um, I do love, I love military history and and learning some of those things. Yeah. Because um, it is always a declaration of how incredible people can be.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Um, There's always that side of like the human element of it too. Uh To where um, I always like to try to imagine what it was like. Um, so, uh, this is something that I picked up from listening to another podcast, but just the, the intensity of moments and how, like how that affects us as human beings. Sure. So for example, like a bomb going off, well, a bomb goes off next to you, you get hit by this wave of pressure Yeah. and it, it can blow your ears out and it, it can, you know sink your skull and it knocks the wind out of you Mm -hmm. and for a minute you're literally just like numb Mm -hmm. and just to have like how incredible those like having those bombs going off just would absolutely terrorize like fill you with Mm -hmm. fear um or like the moments like when a bomb would go off and it would blow people apart Mm -hmm. um there's a part of that human element of like when people would get blown apart, other people would get hurt by the f- pieces of their friends. Yeah. So there's there's stuff like that that is just, these movies, they do a really interesting job of like making them big and loud and, and mm-hmm. sound really interesting. And they try to bring in some of those human elements. But there's just so much Yeah. that truly does go on that you'll like, wrapping your head around will never like, We'll never truly
1: understand it. It's true, and it's hard to take that, those feelings and those like experiences and actually put them into a movie, or put them like into unless words. you're yeah, because unless you're actually there, it's like trying to describe to someone what rain smells like. Like mm-hmm. unless you actually stand outside and smell the rain, you can't. Or Tell like you go to a concert is. and like yeah.
0: the the energy of the concert. And you're like, can you describe that? And you're just like, I I
1: can't. No, like you can't. You just you have to be there. You you get which excited. I don't ever want to be in this situation that these guys <laughs> were in. But in order to completely understand it, you had, you do have to be there. Yeah. But I thought it was good. It was a lot of really yeah. Thank you for stuff. finally
0: giving me a story that I would really enjoy. <laughs>
1: you're welcome. Sorry that this is a super long episode, you guys. They're always looking at like
0: whenever like I feel like we could you can dive into the weeds of these stories for, you know, for hours.
1: Oh, yeah. Very much so. I think Charity has got American Underdog next. (gasps) Is that the right one? Yeah, that's a football one, right? Yes, it is. Yes. And then I'm going to do another true crime one.
0: Of course you are. That is your favorite.
1: Jody Arias.
0: Oh, Jodie Arias! A movie.
1: There's a movie based on her. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah.
0: What movie is it?
1: It's called Jodi Arias. Oh, I found it on Hulu. I think it's on Hulu.
0: Uh, so Jodi Arias, are you going to use uh? Time no, sucks. Probably not. Come on. No,
1: I cannot. He's so annoying. I <laughs> don't don't listen to my podcast with Jody because it's called too annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: he definitely should listen to this podcast because he is so funny. I love Time Suck, and his episode on uh, Jody Arias is so funny. Listen. But I'm excited to hear your version of it.
1: Listen, if he's listening right now, which I doubt he is because I don't know if... He, I, where, where is he from? Idaho. I do have listeners from Idaho, so maybe he is one of them. <laughs> I doubt it. But if you are, some of your tangents that you get on are just a little bit too much. The horse is very much dead. Yeah. And you I, can move on I, to the next. I one.
0: laugh and laugh and laugh. So I appreciate time suck so, a lot.
1: So much. So much. Anyway, yep, so we got American Underdog and Jody Arias coming out for the next two weeks. Sounds exciting. And that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week.
0: Have a great day.
1: Bye. You can find us on Instagram at fallacious and factual. That is F A L L A C I O U S A N D F A C T U A L. You can send us a Gmail with any stories you want to hear at fallaciousfactual at gmail.com. We'll see you next time, and remember, keep it factual and. Bye, fallacious!